Hello, you're listening to Blues and Red, a podcast based in Huntsville, Alabama, which has the intention of highlighting progressive figures in typically conservative areas. My name is Lucas Baudry, and I'm a student at the University of Alabama in Huntsville. Our guest today is Jessica Fortune Barker, who is running for Board of Education here in the 8th District. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's just start out by getting an overview a bit of your platform and what you're running on. Well, I am basically running on making sure that Alabama provides a solid educational foundation for all of the children in my district. Mm-hmm. And when I say all of the children, regardless of race, um, religion, socioeconomic background, all of our children deserve to have access to a quality education. And that is what I'm passionate about. Definitely. So I actually saw that on your website. What what's your website again for the listeners? It is www.barker4education. That's B-A-R-K-E-R, the number four education.com. Right. So on that, I did see your point about um, uh, offering a strong curriculum to students regardless of their yes. disabilities, socioeconomic factors, race, culture, religion. Yes. So in the past, what sort of barriers have students in your district faced and what are some of your plans to alleviate them? That is very interesting that you asked that because a part of what has propelled me to run actually is what I faced myself as a student in the mm-hmm. District 8. Um, I'm born and raised in Alabama, so I came up through the District 8 education system myself, and I have four kids, three of which are now coming through the District 8 system. And for myself, um, at the age of five in kindergarten, I was deemed to be academically um ahead mm-hmm. and I was at a school though that was in a low socioeconomic side of town and they felt that I could not get a quality education at that school so I would have to get on a bus and be transferred 20 minutes across town to a school in which they felt like would provide a challenging curriculum for me and that right there um, as I got older and realized what happened to me through my elementary and middle school um, education is that I didn't get to go to school with the kids in my neighborhood. And what basically the board was telling me is the kids in your neighborhood don't have access to the type of education that the kids across town have access to. And we're going to bust you because we don't want you to fall through the cracks. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, as I got older, I was like, wow, that was major. Yes, that's a big problem. And we're still dealing with some of those same issues where kids are being transferred across town all throughout my district to have access to quality teachers or appropriate resources like our kids with special needs. They can't just go to any school. They have to go to certain schools to have access to resources and teachers. You know, so I think that we have to offer something for everyone. Definitely. Do you think that's like a zoning issue, what you were describing or? It is a zoning issue, um, which it's kind of hard to really have a concrete plan because, of course, you have to have zones or else everyone would probably pick the exact same school to go to and you would have overcrowding. So you have to have zoning. And that's why I feel like if we can implement the same type of curriculum, the same teachers, you know, if we have a certain standard and regardless of what side of town you're on, the teacher has to meet that standard before being able to be in a classroom. If we had that at every school, we would then see the quality the same throughout the whole district. Definitely. That's great. Um, Something else I saw on your website is that you said that we need to be able to listen to and meet the needs of our educators. So I'm not too sure about what's 
currently in Alabama, but I know that uh, West Virginia teachers had an average salary of around $45,000 and had to strike for nine days before getting a 5% raise. Teachers in Oklahoma had to threaten a walkout before getting that raise, and Arizona teachers walked out for six days before finally getting that gradual raise. So what sort of changes would you like to see to hopefully avoid a walkout? Yes. In speaking with my teachers, we are facing some of those same issues as these other states, um, which have led to walkouts. And I do not want to see our teachers get to a point of frustration so much so that they are ready to walk away from their jobs. That's going to cripple our city. That's going to cripple the children. That'll cripple whatever um, part of the district that is. Um, We have to make sure we take care of our educators as in giving them livable wages, making sure that they have salaries that are in comparison to our teachers. They've also been increasing the premium or their cost of benefits. So you're offsetting their raise and that's not helping them feed their families. So I really feel like um, as a representative, there has to be representation at state level that actually listens to the teacher's concerns. They're also concerned about taking time away um, from education and teaching in their classrooms to deal with truancy issues. And we have to provide more resources for these teachers in the classroom um, as far as SRO officers, as far as social workers and counselors, Mm -hmm. where if there is a child who is coming to school hungry or is a problem child, that teacher is not taken away from their time in dealing with those issues, they right. have staff on hand that can deal with that. So, Definitely. Yes. Great. Um, so, one last thing on your website, and yes. then we'll move away from the Okay, website. okay. Um, it says that you think that a strong academic community with an emphasis on unity is important. So. Could you tell me a bit about what the ideal academic community looks like to you? Yes. And is District 8 currently on the right path? I think District 8, when it comes to community and that unity portion of community, I feel that we dropped the ball on that. And I would love to put District 8 on the path of making sure we provide that unity. And when I say unity in the community, in the academic community, parent parental involvement, we need to implement programs and sessions, work sessions for our parents in the communities where the parents have um, an increased interest in being involved again in their children's academic um, life, as well as bridging the gap of communication between home, between school, between um, the administration, and between the government. So right now there is a major breakdown of communication. The parents don't know what's going on in the schools. The schools are getting mandates from the government in which they don't have funding to implement. There's just a major breakdown of communication. And I think that if we first get back to sharing information, transparency from the state level, that we will actually begin to see that community pulling together to work in our children's favor. All right, so you're definitely in favor of keeping everyone on the same page. Yes, yes, have to. That's reassuring. (laughs) Yes. So you've mentioned that you went to schools in District 8, but I think I heard somewhere that you've been involved with these schools since graduating. Yes. Could you talk a bit about um, to what capacity you've been involved? 
Absolutely. So um, after having my children, I became really involved with the Head Start program here in Huntsville, and that's offered through the Madison County Community Action Agency. And what the Head Start program is, it's for children in the low socioeconomic parts of town who are below poverty or at poverty level, and it provides pre-K or three and four-year-old classes. Um, so it starts providing that, that foundation that the children need to go into school. Um, because research and studies show that children that come from a impoverished area, they don't have access to that support that they necessarily need and they enter into school already behind. Mm -hmm. And so the Head Start program is something that just makes sure that we're keeping those children focused and giving them a good start so that when they enter kindergarten, they're at the same playing field as everyone else. You know, um, so I've been passionate. I sat on the board there. I was the president of the parent council for Head Start and then I went on to become an advisor when my term for um, president came up. Yeah. They didn't want to let me go. I didn't want to go, so then I served as an advisor for about two more years. Um, I have also been the PTO coordinator at one of my children's schools, as well as I'm an active PTA parent. Um, the past year, I haven't been as active as I used to be because I was pregnant. Yes, yes, so that kind of got in the way. But as soon as I had my baby, I was right back active and I began running for this seat. So I've always had a passion for education, specifically early education. Mm -hmm. So this just sounds like the natural next step. Yes. Yes. Good. good. Uh, the office, I believe, is currently held by Mary Scott Hunter, who's yes. a Republican. Yes. Is there anything that she has done that you think has been good for the district? And what would you do differently? Okay. I think. Or, I'm sorry. Yes. Sorry to interrupt. Yes. What would you do differently? Not different than what was good, but what has she done that you would do differently? Do differently. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So Mary Scott Hunter, she um, was a strong advocate and proponent for the STEM initiative in the schools. Um, she had good corporate partnerships where they came in and they provided the science, technology, engineering, and math, and now they've added the arts leg into that. So now it's called the STEAM program. But right. she was very instrumental in getting that implemented across District 8, and I think that is an excellent program. However, what I would do a little differently is make sure there's balance in that curriculum. Um, when we started focusing so much on STEM and STEAM and everyone started getting so excited about that, we kind of left behind the children who are not going to go on to be astrophysicists and you know engineers. Yeah. Um, so we got away from vocational and trade and technical skills being offered in school. And so I wholeheartedly, that's like one of the first things I want to see done is our curriculum go back to also including on top of the STEM and STEAM those vocational, technical, and trade skills for our students as early as middle school. Definitely. Yes. That's actually funny because we're conducting this interview at the University of Alabama in Huntsville where just about everyone is an engineer. Yes. I think I'm the only non-engineer at this university. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's good to know we haven't been forgotten. Yes. Good. <laughs> so something that is interesting is that you are a millennial candidate, yes, correct? Yes, I so am. What has it been like running? Because most people, I don't think, run when they're younger. Yes, so you're right. You're right. You're yes. Um, I'm also an African-American woman, yes. so I will be the first African-American to ever hold this seat for District 8, and I'll be the youngest to ever hold this seat for District 8. Great. And um, I often get asked the question when people find out I'm running for state board, am I an educator or a teacher by profession? 
and no. And if you look at the qualifications for this seat, you actually cannot be an active educator by profession to mm -hmm. serve on the board. You have to be removed from um, the teaching profession for at least five years before you're even eligible to sit mm -hmm. on the board of education. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, um, as a millennial candidate, a lot of people, I, I get a lot of the older people who think that I'm maybe not ready. Of course, um, naturally. They, they refer to me as baby girl, even though I'm a grown <laughs> woman with four kids and a husband. Um, so I get that a lot. But in that, what I do find, and I always try to take the positive out of everything, but what I do find is I then turn that into guidance. Well, how can you mentor me? What can you offer me? What have you seen that you think you can tell me to kind of help me along, you know? And I always tell them I'm very open to critique. I'm open to guidance. And that usually kind of brings them in where they're not yeah. so much like, oh, she's so young. And yeah. they're more like, oh, she's willing to learn. So I, I try to twist that around when Definitely. they get stuck on the age. If, if it works, then why not? <laughs> right. Something that I've noticed as a young person. I'm 18 years old. All right. So something I've noticed since the 2016 election is that a lot of young people have started getting engaged. So yes. just myself, I've been involved with a lot of different organizations, mm -hmm. but I think one of the biggest ones was March for Our Lives. I was yes. one of the coordinator, coordinators for the Knoxville, Tennessee rally. Okay. okay. And it was really interesting to see people as young as middle schoolers yes. asking how they can help or if they could present a speech or just trying to get involved. Yes. So do you have any advice for young people who aren't currently involved with politics but are interested in becoming involved and sharing their ideas? Absolutely. So I always say first reach out to whatever the local um, organization is, whether you're Democrat or Republican, reach out to the local organization in your city or county and begin to get involved there. Um, candidates, as candidates, we're always looking for volunteers to help with phone banking or canvassing, which is door knocking, um, people to help us put out yard signs. And I say, go ahead, if you're thinking about being an elected official, go ahead and volunteer for someone's campaign, get your feet wet, start networking and meeting other people um it's interesting because in politics which is this is my first time running um for a seat and um they have like their own culture like right. once you join the political world it's like it's a family it's something else it is it is it's like they work totally different from the rest of the world so um i say just get your feet wet get in there see where you can help out and find out what you're really passionate about Yes. Great. And I'm actually glad that you brought up um, whether you're Democrat or Republican because yes. I forgot to ask earlier, but why do we need a Democrat on the Board of Education? Because I feel like a lot of people maybe don't understand quite what the Board of Education is, yes. and so they might not see it so much as a partisan issue. Yes. So could you first tell me a bit about what the Board of Education is and why yes. you would be the best fit? Absolutely. And... I myself was very shocked at how partisan education is. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I chose myself to run on the Democratic ticket because I'm more closely aligned with the overall Democratic values. However, I go and I attend Republican events, I attend Republican meetings, and when I meet people that are conservative, I always tell them that education at the end of the day is common sense. 
you know, um, we can always meet in the middle. And I have been actually getting a lot of Republican support just based off of when I actually explain what I stand for. They realize that, you know, party line really doesn't matter yeah, so when much it's our children. So much right. There is. So the main difference between a Republican opponent, my Republican opponent and myself, and which which differs for education is um, the Education Trust Fund. Um, there's money that has been being leaked out of Alabama's Education Trust Fund to go and support charter schools. And yes, so as a Democratic candidate, we're passionate on the Democratic ticket about making sure we keep public education dollars for public education and the children that are part of the public education system. So we 100% want to see public education stay and succeed. And that really is what differs between our view of education and the Republican view of education. They tend to lean a little more pro-choice vouchers um, and using education trust fund money to fund other ways of getting an education in Alabama. Definitely. Yes. So. I'm sure you, like you said, you still attend Republican, yes. um, not conventions, yes. but Republican events, events yes. meetings, mm-hmm. yeah. which is good because it shows that you're work, willing to work across party lines. Yes. So Absolutely. would you say that your ideal board of education be a good mixture of both Republicans and Democrats, or are you looking to have it all Democrats? What would you like to see? I really would like to see... and. Some people are going to frown, frown, right. frown, but I have, to, I have to stay true to myself. We have to have a mixture. Mm-hmm. We have to. Um, anytime that you end up totally, for instance, if we look at the federal level right now, right. where Republicans are the majority and the Democrats never get a say, there's never any um, thought to the other side of the coin because they have majority control. So I feel like anytime there is majority control, that is leaving out a whole sector of people that have a different opinion or view. So I feel like a mix on any board and not even when it just comes to parties, um, a mix on gender, a mix of race, a mix of educational background. I think there has to be an all around mix on any board, including state board, so that you are offering every constituent, regardless of who they are and where they are in life, a fair opportunity. Great. That's, yes. That sounds good. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> so I think it's actually my last question okay. before we just discuss a that little was bit. Fast. Exactly. <laughs> As a board member, obviously your goal is to listen to the teachers and help the teachers and educators and everyone faculty succeed but a a huge portion of it that's probably the biggest portion is the actual students yes so could you tell me a little bit about what a successful student looks like to you and how you think we can best create that successful student absolutely to me a successful student is a student who is engaged in their own education and i think right now we're losing a lot of children's focus because we're not engaging them where they are. Mm -hmm. We're so busy trying to prepare a path of what we want them to be or where we need them to be that we're not giving them the opportunity to really explore themselves. And so I think that a successful student would be one who has options on their educational um, journey where they can say, 
I want to try foreign language or I want to learn welding or I'm interested in science, you know, and they actually have access to courses that correlate with what their interests are. Because for one, we know in college, once you get to college, if you start changing a lot, you're wasting a lot of time and money. money. Yes. So, So let them go ahead and start figuring out and playing around with different things in middle and high school so that by the time they get to college, they already kind of have an idea and they already kind of have some knowledge on what they actually want to do and they could go in full force, get it done, graduate and be ready to go back into society because at the end of the day, um, a student who graduates and goes into college or career, they become a productive citizen, which lends to a thriving economy, which makes the politicians happy, it makes parents happy, it makes citizens happy, it cuts down crime rates. So to me, that's a successful student. All right. Well, is there anything else you would like to add? Maybe something we didn't cover about your policies or ideology or anything? Um, no, I think we really covered like the things that are very, very important. Um, I just want to leave a bit of wisdom for any and everyone. I always say follow your dreams because I've been told so many times that I couldn't and that I wouldn't be able to. And even when I announced my candidacy for this race, um, people were saying, who are you? We don't know who you are. You know, you're not a political advocate and you're not on the political scene. And, you know, and they were telling me, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. My (laughs) pen But they were telling me that there was no way that I would succeed. And my campaign, we're looking very good to be successful. Um, So I would say just whatever your heart desires in life, just do it. Just do it. That's it. Just do it and stick to it and you'll be surprised what you can do. All right. Do you want to remind me when election day is? November 6th. We go to the polls November 6th. So vote, vote, vote. Do your research. Study all of the candidates. Be an informed voter and vote. All right. Yes. That's exciting. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Again, thank you for listening to Blues and Red, where we talk with and about progressives running in typically conservative areas. 